On this episode of Writing Tandem... Because a lot of people showed up and they didn't really even 100% know what they were showing up to. And I think some thought it was going to be like a town hall meeting, right? Like, okay, I'm going to like bring my, my laundry list. But what we did instead was we broke people up into three groups and they moved around the room. Hi there. Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Nicole Inquist from the iOS Foundation, where we're going to unpack how the Imagine Hours actually unfolded and some of the great insights that we found along the way. So I'm excited for you to hear more about this. Let's jump in. So, okay, Nicole, we've been like dancing around this. Hopefully people are like, what the heck was this project? (laughs) What are they talking about? RFPs and stuff like that. So if you're still hanging with us here, what did you ask for and what happened? You unpack it a little bit. So we asked for listening sessions in the community. We wanted to do listening sessions. Could we have done them on our own? That probably would have been my sole charge. Maybe. But I feel like we wanted them to not be dull, boring. We wanted them to be open invitation, welcoming, fun, inspiring. And so that was where we were getting stuck. We, know, we can hold a listening session. I can plan an event and get the the tables and chairs. We wanted this to stand out because it was a new venture that we were trying and we wanted people to take notice and to feel welcomed. And your run of the mill, you know, typical people that attend these types of things, we wanted we wanted more than that. We wanted to absolutely have those folks that are invested but not have to be connected to anything to be able to come. And that's where we really needed more brain power from creative people. And we felt like you guys would be a great fit to help us think and develop that. And so that's sort of why we called what we we wanted more than what we could do on our own. And we can get into it, but you guys delivered. Yeah, thank you. You can talk about your process and, yeah. and all of that. I, I loved the process. Awesome. So this comes across this RFP. We have conversations, and essentially, here's what's happening in my brain, Nicole. This sounds awesome. Like, oh, my gosh. And Mikhail's like, yes, yes, yes. So excited, right? We're doing the yes thing. Yes, yes, yes. That's the initial. And then we went, oh, my word. Do we know how to do that? And And on top of it, having the conversation with you you're like, we think we want this, this, and this. And we're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. We're going to be able to collaborate on this. But collaboration is also messy. Like sometimes you want the other person to be like, I want X, Y, Z, and I want eight of them, and I want them delivered by this date, you know, things like that. So as we got talking about it, we were like, yeah, we know how to do this. And then we started going imposter syndrome of, no, we don't. We haven't conducted listening, like, countywide listening sessions. We've never done that. What, what is, I mean, we know what a listening session is, but you start getting to this rat game in your head of what is a listening session? How do you even put that together? What's it going to look like? How do we make it interactive? Like, are there going to be, I remember having a conversation with you. I'm like, are we talking like circus clowns jumping out of cars? Like, are we putting on a carnival or is this like folding chairs, presentation, listening session? Like we had to really define that. And in the process of defining it, we went back and forth in our heads of, we've got this. Like, this is so in our wheelhouse to, this is crazy. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea. Like, we can't do this. The funny thing was, before we contacted you, we were kind of spinning our wheels too. I mean, we can do this. Can we do this? Do we need to have this facilitated? Maybe we could do it. 
So we're all, like you said before, we're all human. We're all experiencing these same emotions. And I think just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean you're not capable of doing it. You have all those skills and we've been beyond pleased with how everything went, which we'll hopefully get to. <laughs> yeah. Really building this up. We're building it up. But the thing. Exactly. I just, that's so funny that you say that because that did not come across. I think you did a great job of helping us figure out what we wanted, that had we had to do an RFP that explained that in more detail, we would have really limited ourselves mm. because you brought so much input to the table. And we would have been spinning our wheels for another six months going, hmm, hmm, we could do it this way or that way. And you really brought out the questions that we didn't think to ask ourselves, like, what types of people would come to this? Where would they, you know, where would they envision themselves if they came to something like this? What would be the right location? Just, you know, what is this called? Mm -hmm. You know, what do we call this? Mm -hmm. Can't be listening sessions. That's boring. Yeah. I'm yeah. bored already. Yeah. At the title. <laughs> so one of the things I was going to point out too is for, and I, um, I'm careful about this, but it is a statistic that is out there. I'm not going to remember the exact number. Um, but you've probably heard it before of, so we're female owned, both Michaela and I are, um, are ladies. And there is a statistic out there that men will more often step into an unknown if they have about 70, 80% of the skills required. They're like, I've, I've got 70, 80% down pat. I'll apply for the job or I'll submit for the RFP or I'll take the leap. Women won't do it more often, unless they have 100 or think they have 110%, I've heard that before too, of all the qualifications. Meaning I've done this before 10 times, right? So I'm highly qualified, I can do it and I'll step into it. And so it was just something to kind of point out of, that's something I've learned as an entrepreneur and a business owner of it's okay to step into something if you feel like you're about 70, 80% there you can make the rest up. The rest of it's going to be an opportunity to learn and grow and gain another percent, you know, and another percent. And so it's something that Michaela and I always try and weigh of, are we not stepping into this with full confidence, like the 110% confidence we want? Because maybe we don't need to. Maybe we don't need 100% confidence. If we're feeling in that 70, 80%, go. Like that's the green light. If you're feeling you've got about 10% of what's needed, like stop, back up, you know, that kind of thing. So that's just something we weigh. But then to your point of just drawing it out, part of what we did and we've learned to do over the years is you could spend hours going back and forth, figuring out what the project should be before you put a price tag on it. Um, and we often want to do that because we want 100% knowledge, right? I'm not going to step into this. I'm not even going to give you a price tag until I 100% know I am 100% qualified. Um, and, and men don't tend to do that. They'll step in and they'll charge you before they've you know, you know, done anything. And that's not necessarily bad. In fact, we've learned more. And what we ended up doing was saying, we're going to explore as far as we can, you know, with Nicole before, but we're going to build into this a session just with Nicole and your team, with Brenda. And you brought in a board member, which I thought was really cool, to unpack this more and frankly, we knew that at the end of that conversation, we might have to adjust some of the RFP, like the quote that we gave you. And we communicated that ahead of time and said, we think 
after this point, we have this session with you and there's a dollar amount on that because you could leave that session and go, you know what, we can do this. You know, this, that was great. That's all we needed. And so we gave you a general idea of after that, here's what we think it'll be based on where we're at now, but could we have a conversation at the end of that and just make sure, you know? So originally, here's the project, right? We come in and you say, we want these interactive, fun listening sessions where the community's invited, everybody's invited. Everybody, like that's not <laughs> intimidating. Um, across the county. And we want to have them in different locations and they can't be boring. They've got to be interactive. We want families to be able to be involved, bring their children if they want. So now we're like, gosh, these age ranges, right? Um, but we need to hear from them what they want for the community in these four areas of, and make sure I get them all right here, right? Placemaking, uh, healthy families, and ec the economy, economic development, and education. Great job. Yeah, I've had Nailed that. it. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, that, you know, that's everything, Nicole. Like literally all these things. We want to hear from everybody, everybody in the county we can possibly get. And we want to hear about everything they have to say on all of these four areas. And don't make it boring. And we need food, right? <laughs> okay, great. Well, now you're making it sound real needy. Don't no, worry. no. I'm and kidding. we're looking at this like, this is It fun. was needy. It is needy. Well, it's needy for a good reason, right? Yeah. Like we have this, it's a need. It's a big need. Yeah. And... um so we didn't know, well, how many sessions is that? How do you price that? Is it going to be 20? Is it going to be five? Are we going to have 400 people show up to these things? We can have eight people show up to these things. It's open invitation. There's no RSVP. How do we price that, right? And so that first session that we did with you and Brenda and that board member was starting to figure that out. What are we really asking for here? And so we had priced the, the sessions, the listening sessions themselves. We'd priced them out with a general idea of what they would be but we didn't know how many, et cetera. And so we kind of gave you a range. So then out of that, we came up with this idea collaboratively together that we were going to do, it was eight sessions, wasn't it? Eight sessions, seven of them were 100% public and the eighth one was with the high school, I think. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and we decided uh, after a couple more planning sessions, we were gonna call them Imagine Hours. Yes. Which I loved that name. I did too. It took it, a while to get there. It did. That, I was just gonna say that, but... That was an important part of it, too, because at a glance, you need to know, is this something I want to attend? Mm -hmm. It can't be boring. That might be all you have. It's got to be a little bit intriguing. So we decided to call them Imagine Hours, open invitation, which then meant we realized now we have to literally make invitations, have posters, have cards, distribute these all around the community, send emails, write email templates, like get the invitation and the word out, right? You put together great PR kits. And so we kind of divide it. Yeah, we... We divided that up and conquered it together. And that was also part of figuring it out. Like this fits in scope, but we're going to take this, you take that. And then there were these fun interactive sessions. So we designed them to have these sort of discovery stations, we called them. So people would show up, hopefully. That was the heart. That was like the, my heart beat every time. Like are people coming? <laughs> you and I'm, me both. I'm not the popular kid. So I'm like, I don't know. Michaela throws great parties. Everyone comes. I throw a party. Like we don't know who's coming. So... Open invitation, we did them in coffee shops, we did them in churches, we did one at the high school, we did one at Iowa Western Community College, what am I missing here? Barley's. Barley's, Grass Wagon, so we picked a diverse... Pace. Pace, that's right. That one. Yep. Yeah. We picked a diverse collection of, of locations in order to try to appeal to different people in different times of day. Yes, so that was part of our process, if you remember, you know, just figuring out... Who do we want there? And then we kind of segmented the audience beyond everybody because that's just not fair to anyone. 
you know, we want people who work during the day. We want people who work at night. We want parents. We want business owners. We, you know, where would they go and when would they go? Okay, let's have something at lunch. Let's have a few things in the evening at a place where somebody might already be. Let's give people a chance to look at pace and check that out. We need to not make the county residents always come to us. Let's get out there in a place where they feel comfortable and have another reason that kind of would be nice to be there, a coffee and a croissant, you know, where they can visit with their neighbors over, you know, and talk about ideas. So a lot of thought went into the locations and a lot of learning from them. Um, I think that was that was part of the process that you led us through to help us feel good about where we were holding them and you know, what felt like a good number of sessions. And then the promotion of it, um, the getting people there, I, I agree, that was a little nerve wracking. And it's kind of a blur at this point. But, you know, just trying to use social media and promote what it was going to be, because we felt really good about the interactive piece, we felt really good about the, the content that you developed. So, you know, by telling people, this is your opportunity to come share your ideas for our community, you know, then, then it's on them if that's what they want to do, uh, to come. And, you know, we felt good that we had offered that opportunity and that when they got there, they were truly listened to because of the way that you set it up, um, which I'll let you talk about because those were your ideas. Yeah. So one of the things that will always stick in my head, you said uh, no folding chairs and presentations, right? Which I was like, that's good, but that would have been easy. I was like, that would have been an easy go-to. Sure. We could put together a cool slideshow. It would be great. But we set up stations instead. So people would come in the door, they'd get their food, they'd, you know, just kind of mingle around a little bit. Some of the locations where we have a little music going, some we couldn't, just depending. Um, and we made sure to, to mix too, right? Go up, meet people, greet people, things like that. So it just felt like a, a mixer event was the goal. And we all wore, you know, T-shirts that were fun. And that way they could identify us. But we really mixed around. Um, and, and the iOS Foundation staff was there too doing the same thing. After that, you know, we'd just gather people together and go, you know, why the heck are you here? What is this Imagine Hour thing? Um, because a lot of people showed up and they didn't really even 100% know what they were showing up to. And I think some thought it was going to be like a town hall meeting, right? Like, okay, I'm going to like bring my, my laundry list. But what we did instead was we broke people up into three groups and they moved around the room. And at one station, they would just sticky note fun and wild ideas onto a, a board. And so it was just wild ideas they had. Then at another station, they would drop cards into buckets about, these are things I need. Like, I have to have these in order to have a quality life in this community, or I think people need this to have a quality life in this community. And then the third station was a little bit of time of self, more inner reflection and just sort of jotting down thoughts and ideas or doing a little more interview process as a small group around the table, and there were questions to prompt that. And then we would just move. You know, we'd move about every five, probably a little longer, probably about eight, ten minutes, an opportunity to gather food again. We gathered all together. We did some fun exercises, threw out a couple prizes, um, just to get people warmed up, you know, as they broke into these groups. And then just pulled them back together with a big goal of inspiring them to learn more about either iOS Foundation, about things that were available in the community already, but also if they wanted to do some of these crazy wild ideas or must-have ideas to start. You know, and I think that was a big that was an exciting piece for me that iOS Foundation was not only going to get to hear 
from this wide variety of people. And we had about 200 plus people come, somewhere between 200 and 300. We know 200 for sure, like registered their names. That's a decent cross-section of people, especially going into it not knowing if we're going to have like eight people show up to these things, right? But that they also could leave inspired to impact their community themselves. So I just love that it was kind of this double, this dual um, inspiration and collecting of information could come out of it. Exactly. We really liked that piece of that. It was it was better said coming from you than than us, honestly. And that was another great part of having facilitators um, that you don't need necessarily and can't rely on a foundation to do all of these things because the thousands of ideas that came out of it. Um, but you can make a difference, too. And I think that that was really well said by you and kind of inspired a lot of people um, because there are things we can't fund. Like we don't fund childcare and we don't typically fund healthcare. And so some of the answers were in response to that. And, you know, I think we set the tone really well with the, what I love about my community cards when they walked in the door. So they may have thought they might be coming to a town hall, but then it really started off with what do I already love about this place? Why am I here? You know, what is, what is something that brings pride in my community? And so then you're not just going from this deficit, you know, out, outlook of, well, oh, we don't have this. We don't have this. We could use this. We need this. What do I already love? What can we also just build on? And I think the, the long form also kind of got at that a little bit too with, you know, where do you spend your time? And then thinking about why and that this really is a great place. Could we use a dog park? Okay, let's put that down. Mm -hmm. But we already have a lot to to build on because when we were thinking about having this, that was also scary from our perspective. We're still human beings. And, you know, what if people just want to complain about the artwork or, Mm -hmm. you know, that we didn't fund their their pet project? or so, So we wanted it to be like a positive experience. We didn't want just people complaining about, you know, different things or being negative about stuff that exists. We wanted them to, to th- think about what they, what they do love and what they, what make make their love them community even more. So uh, I think we accomplished that with the, the, the cards and the way in which it was conducted positive. You set the table really well at the beginning and um, we've gotten great feedback from the surveys that we ended up doing about people who attended that they would 10 out of 10 would attend again, you know, like, I think that's great. We accomplished what we set out to do, even though we might not have been visiting that all the time. When I looked back at it, I was like, oh, we accomplished exactly what we set out to do because Mm -hmm. we went through the process. Yeah, we had to let that process unfold. And that's the interesting piece of, you know, when you first contacted us and back to that RFP piece, right? I had no idea. We didn't know what those sessions would look like. We didn't know what those stations would look like. We didn't know if there'd be food or locations. We didn't know any of it. We just knew we needed to get to an end goal, and we wanted to stay open in that process of getting there. Um, and so we just tried to, you know, as far as, like you said, the value, we tried to go, well, what, what is the value here? What's the time we think, regardless of how, what it is and how we do it, how much time and effort and brain power are we going to be able to bring to the table, and what do we need to charge for that? And then just have open conversations, too, about, hey, if, if we decide we want this thing, food, you know, will there be budget for that? You know, and just have conversations like that and allow some things to be unknown. 
And because of that, I think we got a better product in the end. We didn't know 100%, you didn't know 100%, but we let it unfold. And what's cool about that is when you can step into, and for the, I'm going to talk to the business owners again, right? Like when a business owner can step into a project that way, I think then you're offering bigger impact and value because you're really helping unpack and get to this end result versus just giving a deliverable. And when you can give more than a deliverable, like, okay, great. Yep. I made your eight sessions, you know, Mm -hmm. pay me. But when we can focus instead on the end result, what am I trying to accomplish here in collaboration with you or for you? But I don't know exactly how we're going to get there, but that's my end goal. I think you can have huge impact. And I get excited about that. And this, this specific project really played that out for me of taking from years of just, you know, okay, I'm going to step into confidence with this. I'm going to go ahead and put the proposal the other way. I'm going to step out on a limb and have conversations. And we're going to charge for the first initial brainstorm, you know, to even get to the point that we need to be at to really figure out the rest. I am just excited how it all played out then and to go, yeah, when you do that, it proves out that you as a business owner can bring so much value in that way when you're not being, you know, worried for one thing, fearful, too fearful to even step into it to begin with. What if we'd said no? You know, I look at that and I'm like, we wouldn't have had this opportunity to see our community grow. And that can be true of any type of business. It doesn't have to be a community-wide project. What impact, you know, by letting fear get in the way, what impact are you withholding is a different way to look at that, right? Very true. I think I read to my daughter about confidence sometimes and just helping girls to grow to be confident. And the book, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. But it talks a lot about risk and taking risks and taking calculated risks so that if you try out for the team and you don't make it, the fact that you tried out doesn't make you a failure. It means you took a risk and you tried something new and you've still learned and grown from that experience. And so if you don't do that, you're still where you're at without having grown at all. So I don't know. I think I'm so glad that you did that. And I'm thinking about like that first go round of of research that we did where we thought we kind of, oh, we need an outside firm maybe, but, you know, we'll ask if they'd be able to do it and the capacity didn't work out. I think about the way in which you approach approach projects to me makes me think that you could have helped us out with that, even though research might not be your, your expertise area. It's the way in which you approach it that we're going to figure it out together. We're going to really listen to what you want. We're going to figure out what you need. And we're going to find a way to help you get there, even if that isn't something you've done in the past. It's the process and the how and the trust that you build that, to me, is something that makes me want to work with a vendor again. Yeah, that's true. I love that. And that's good insight for people just to remember that. Okay. I want to dive into just a couple of specifics here that stuck out to me. Sure. And I was curious about your perspective with them. So one of the biggest fears, especially as a small, smaller entity, is great, I'm going to commit to this thing. And in this case, it was about a th- almost a three-month commitment, really, said and done. Plus, you know, we, we were facilitating, so we didn't have a team we were sending. Michaela and I were there, and then we had some team members we brought in as well who were fabulous. But um, the fear is, what if... I get sick. 
and I can't be there? <laughs> what if I can't deliver because, you know, my family, there's a family emergency. There's no fallback person. You're kind of it. And that happens, you know, not that that can't happen if you're employed as well, but I feel like there's this extra level of I'm going to have to return all this money or I'm going to fail and they're never going to work with me again. There's like zero safety net there, right, is how we think. So dun, dun, dun. I was kind of the lead facilitator of these sessions with support. Like by no means was this a one person show, but I was kind of the lead in that. And then I got COVID. I know. And I couldn't lead. That sucked. The one that we thought was going to be the biggest, the one that we knew was going to have the, the squishiest logistics just based off of the way the building was shaped, the Barley's one. We thought this was going to be the one that's most jam packed. It had an upper floor and a lower floor. Like, so like physically it was going to be difficult. And then I called you guys and said, I have COVID. Now, one of the things that I have learned is, and you tell me though, from your perspective, this is what I think I've learned. Don't freak your client out. <laughs> like That's probably always a good motto. <laughs> so I'm like, the last thing we need to do is just send over an email. I have COVID. I can't make it. Period. Send. Mm -hmm. Right. We've got to come up with a solution first, and there's always a solution. So Michaela got on the phone. We talked about it. And to be honest with you, it felt a little uncomfortable because this dead, the, the event itself was coming up because I think I found out like it was like four or five days before. I would have been on the end of the whole, you know, is it safe? Is it not safe? We're going to be group people. Like what's the responsible thing to do here? And we paused for a good – it was almost probably two days we withheld information, Nicole. That's okay. <laughs> for like two days. And I felt uncomfortable with that. I was like, we need to let them know right away. But at the same time, I knew we needed to have a plan, come to you with a problem and, and two or three solutions, right? So we put a plan together. Um, we, we called in some other people, said, could they facilitate? I wrote up a bunch of documents. I called them. I did interviews like with them, how we would usually do this. They had never seen this done. Um, but there was a way, there was a solution and, you know, no, it, it wasn't me and that would have been ideal because that was the original contract, if you will. And then we approached you with it and said, I have COVID and here's the plan that we've put in place and we feel confident in it. These are the steps we're taking, you know, but also like need to let you know, and, and uh, is there any, you know, problem with that? Like, you've got to leave that open for the client too. It goes, no, I don't want that. Right. Um, so we did that. How did that land for you? So I think it was the absolute right approach. I mean, if you could call it withholding information, but you could also say you didn't dump it in our lap um, and make it our problem. And I appreciate that. I think, you know, that was a, a thing that we said to the people who attended. You can come here with your problems, but you also need to come with some solutions. Mm. And that's exactly what you did. Like life happens. And I think, especially with COVID, we've all learned that. And if you are working with a client or a vendor that doesn't understand that and treats you as if they would want to be treated, then maybe it's not a good match. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because we all know that happens, because you came up with a solution and, you know, had thought it through and were then confident in it, too. I mean, you didn't just say you know, oh, we could do this. It's not really the best, but, you know, we need to hurry up and get back to them and let them know. It's here's here's a well-thought-out solution. We've really thought about this. We feel good about it, and, you know, and still in a timely manner that it was like, okay, 
that's what we're going to have to do um, because we respect that things happen. You came up with it. It wasn't our problem. It was solved, so, you know, essentially. And like you said, it wasn't ideal just because you had the background and were so good at facilitating, but it worked. It was okay. And maybe that's also a lesson in, you know, anything can happen to anybody at any time. You need to make sure that you are not necessarily replaceable, but somebody's able to step in for you in your role and don't hold everything in your brain, document, you know, make sure that you have a backup, things like that. I know that's harder, easier said than done maybe in a small business environment, but, you know, life happens. That's a great point. And I hadn't thought of that, of we did document like the agendas and even down to some talking points and things like that. It made passing that off much easier then I had to like figure that all that out. We we had it. We had a format and we had it documented, um, which made it easier to communicate that. And I was able just to add to it a little bit. And that's a great point. And so many. I mean, I think anyone can take take that. You know, what do they say? Take a note from that page. They could take a note from that page. I probably messed that up, but it's something like that. I know. I feel like my mom has said this, and I, I know think of what it is. <laughs> page from the book. A page from the book. That maybe that's it. Hold on to that nugget of information. <laughs> You, you do need to have things in place. And small business owners are notorious for not doing that. And, you know, everyone uses, what if you got hit by a bus? And, and it's like, well, I've got so many other things to think about. I've, you know, I'm eyeballs deep and this and that. But stopping to take a moment to, to write the process down is very helpful. And it proved helpful in that particular case for sure. One other thing that came up for me as I was thinking about this project was we also did a Spanish-speaking session. Yes. So I thought that was what we did. See. Si. Yes. <laughs> That's the extent of my Spanish right there. <laughs> and that was about the extent of mine too. So we did this Spanish speaking one. We also did the high school one, which I thought was cool. And also talk about putting yourself on the line there with high school students. And we did the rural one in Destination Coffee, which was neat. But the Spanish speaking one presented an interesting, um, an interesting opportunity. We had talked about this, but again, just thinking about all the logistics that could come up. You know, we were rolling up on that one, and we talked about it a couple times, and then we we're like, you know what? Vivian doesn't speak Spanish, and she's facilitating the upfronts of these. When we break up into groups, it's a little easier because we'd already planned. You know, we'll have somebody who's Spanish-speaking with each group and then somebody who's English-speaking so they could facilitate for anyone. But what do we do about the upfront pieces of that's a little harder. And we had already been through the barley situation, so we knew how it was kind of difficult to hand it off to somebody else. I wasn't sick. I could be there. So we're like, what do we do? And that was a neat opportunity where we pulled in. We all talked about it. But um, I feel like it was Michaela maybe who said, we, we should bring in Leo. And Leo was a partner of iOS Foundation um, through Nebraska Enterprise Fund, uh, speaks Spanish, and it was a neat opportunity. So again, like this problem solving, right, that keeps coming up. I think that's where a business owner and a client can bring value to each other. We're going to solve this problem or an opportunity. That's something that came a lot. Let's stop calling it problems. Let's call them opportunities. And it ended up being one of the most fun sessions. I would agree. And I think the reason for that is because you took a risk and we took a risk. We have never done that before. We have never facilitated a grants workshop in Spanish. Mm. We, our website isn't exactly friendly for translation. And so when one of our staff members said, we should really do a session in Spanish, we all agreed, 
But then what, right? It, mm-hmm. it would have been, and we initially struggled to f- identify somebody that would be able to help us with this because we knew that we wouldn't, or and you wouldn't be able to do the exact translating or facilitating part. And it would feel awkward. And it, yeah. We wanted it to be almost Spanish first. Yes, yeah, Spanish first. I think yeah. that's a good term. So it took us a little bit to get that off the ground. We had the other dates out for the other sessions and we didn't have the Spanish one. And I think, you know, at some point, you know, it's like, do we still want to do this? Should we throw in the towel? We'll do it next time. Not a lot of people even knew we were thinking about it. Should we just quit on this idea? But we stuck with it because it was important and we knew it needed to be. It was messy, to say the least, in getting someone identified, getting materials translating. How are we going to invite people there? You know, we don't have any communications in Spanish. Do we have a good connection or organization that could communicate with the population that we want to be there that is Spanish first. But we just trusted our gut and tried to say, we're going to do this authentically as authentically as we can. One of the best things we did was sort of by happenstance and um, I feel like was some good karma by committing to do this. One of the first people who attended uh, our first session in, in Oakland was a Spanish-speaking facilitator type who was going to be able to help us and wanted to be able to help us. She was really excited about this. Kelly Town, I got to give her a shout out. She was so helpful and had authentic connections to the communities that she'd served through her nonprofit work that she was able to be a trusted voice to that community Mm -hmm. and to invite them to something that she was supporting. And to me, that was the biggest learning is we don't have a lot of um, trust or, you know, established relationships with Spanish-speaking individuals in our community because we haven't really tried. Mm-hmm. And this was a great um, opportunity for us to to try it. And it was really successful. I was unable to really do anything beyond greet people and make sure food <laughs> was there, which at times felt like, oh, I wish I could be doing more, but... You know, we had we had set it up in, in that the people who showed up felt very comfortable with the speaker. They were in a safe place in a, in a church that they were familiar with, um, that they come to frequently. We had food from one of our kitchen council entrepreneurs that serves Spanish food. And so it just felt really good. And the families came and contributed. They wrote in Spanish. We didn't, you know ask them to write or speak in English ever. Mm -hmm. And so it was truly about them, not about us. And we allowed that process to unfold. I like that expression. Mm -hmm. However messy it became, you know, when we got those back, it's like, oh, now we need to send out the survey in Spanish. Kelly, help again. (laughs) And so now we have her on retainer to help us to continue to make that a priority. So I think that was a great session. I would continue to encourage people just because it feels messy or you've not done it before. If it feels important and it feels right, figure out a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I love how you said, I mean, there were definitely moments where it's like, yeah, let's just do the easy thing and, uh, and set this one aside. You know, mm-hmm. we'll address this later. And I think Michaela is especially good at, she'll just be like, no, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm like, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. We don't have... She's like, we'll figure it out. We'll find we'll find the right person. It'll come together. And it did. And frankly, I think it was better, to your point, that we didn't have it figured out at the beginning because you never know those connections, right? Kelly's and Leo and, and et cetera. They're, we wouldn't have necessarily contacted them right off that. We didn't even know 
to contact, you know, Kelly for sure. Mm -hmm. And so just trusting it. And I think as people in general, like we have to sometimes just trust the process as entrepreneurs, especially, or for people thinking about it, or for someone like in your position who you're not a traditional entrepreneur or business owner, but you had to step out in that spirit of, I don't know, I'm just going to solve this problem and then, you know, we'll tackle the next thing, but I'm not going to let that stop me from getting what I want. Yeah. You know, and so many people sit on the fence and go, I don't know if I could start a business. What about this? What about, I don't have it all figured out. Or the business owner goes, I don't know if I could take on that project. I, I don't have it all figured out. And in your case, like I'm on a team and I'm, you know, running this department, the communication department. I don't know about that. So, you know, maybe, maybe we won't. So I just love that, that there's that commonality and, Sometimes I think it can get amplified when you're owning the business, but that's, that's still very much the same human experience that everyone's having to go through. And when you do embrace it, like, look what happened. I mean, I think about, to reflect from my perspective, eight successful listening sessions, well attended, every single one of them well attended. None of them were like, oh man, that was a, that was a bomb. Such interesting perspectives from so many people. I know on the one station low, it's over 3,000 ideas, and there were three stations. So, you know, figure that out, right? And then the follow-up sessions that we had after the big, white, community-wide ones where we had with experts, boots on the ground people, that we did four of those afterwards. That was another thing that we realized halfway through the project, like, hey, we need to do these things. To see all of that and then to hear the community start talking about everything that has been going so well. So I just hate to think about not... Any, if any one of us had not stepped into that at any point, what would have been lost and left on the table? And I love to approach our business philosophy that way of let's solve this problem. And it's really cool to get to have seen it from beginning to end because we don't always get to see that. Yeah, I think what stopped us from probably getting started on these a little bit earlier in the year is like, well, what do we, we don't want to ask them things that we, in genuinely, like we can't fulfill the needs. And if they want this and their, then their idea is said and we can't do that or we don't end up doing that. Like, ah, we don't want this to feel like they wasted their time. And it's like, you can't count it out until you actually hear what they have to say. That's just such a a risk to take, but... You know, we don't have to have all the answers up front. And now that we have gotten that first round of data, we've worked through the work groups helping us to analyze it and get the whys and the what's important to look at as we evaluate projects. We're realizing that we we are fulfilling many of these things. This is what's needed. Now we know we can present that to our board and sort of think through what the community has said. We don't have to have the answers before we've asked the question. And I think that was scary because we just didn't want people to think that we weren't, you know, following through. But we, we can't know until we ask the question. So we just need to start there and take the leap. I love that, which I think we'll probably end on. Like, that really... That was the beautiful part, and I'm so excited it came out in this conversation of, yeah, you can't know till you ask the questions. That played out, literally, that was your project. We need mm -hmm. to know, we need to ask questions. We can't know till we ask questions. That was literally the essence of your project. 
out of it came all these opportunities for us all to say, I don't know. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to ask questions. We'll figure it out. And then we're going to know for the future, which was a huge value to us as, as a business to learn and grow from. But then again, I just think it was totally worth it. It was, it's so worth it because of the impact that that had on the community. So, and not just to us, but we've had so many groups and individuals and towns asking us to come out there next time, but also organizations that are saying, Hey, can we get some access to that data? What a wonderful thing you did because it was really authentic. Nobody ever asked us for this in the past. Um, They were there, they saw it, they felt it. And we are going to share that with them. We're just sort of still in the middle of that process and letting it unfold. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having us. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Good. Awesome. Debrief and just kind of talking through. Yeah, that's awesome. We experienced. I love it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Riding Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th in Council Bluffs, Iowa, in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions.